this is Cheryl, and welcome to our podcast, As Far As I'm Concerned. We're a relatively chill podcast that gives often overlooked students and teachers a platform on which to express their opinions on social issues through a casual format they're comfortable with. Just a bit of background information that we probably shouldn't be telling random strangers on the internet, but that is necessary for sufficient context. We are all private high school students. This is not affiliated with our school in any way and should not be treated as such. So for today's discussion, we have sports. What sport do you play or have experience with? How long have you been playing your sport? I play recreational softball and I've been playing it for about three years now. What about you, Polly? I've been doing horse riding for almost a decade now. How wow, that's you? a long time. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Dr. Hogfish? I have been scuba diving ever since I was about 19 years old. And I did it for about 10 years, more or less professionally. And now I do it occasionally when I want to get wet or when I want to have an underwater experience. I guess you're not going to ask for the exact number because it's hard to ask for people's ages. <laughs> what about you, Jimmy? So I play a sport called squash and I've been playing it very competitively ever since I was around 10 years old. So that's uh, around three to four years now. So um, I'm not sure all our listeners know what squash is, like just because it's not a very well-known sport. So could you explain a little bit about what it is? Sure. So squash is um, it's, uh, it's a racket sport. It's played in a four-ball court. Um, there are boundaries and the way you would get points are if your opponent hits it out of the boundaries or if you hit the ball away from the opponent and um, they are unable to get it before the ball bounces twice. So, so it's somewhat like tennis, you'd say? I guess it would, you could say it's something like tennis. Mm. I see, interesting. So for all of you, what do you like most about your sport and what do you dislike? Well, my favorite thing about my sport is honestly, I'd actually say the teamwork. Teamwork isn't my favorite thing, but it just somehow works in softball the way we can all like form almost a chain and make any plays or any outs. My least favorite thing is how expensive all the equipment is and the fact that we have to buy it. <laughs> but I think that's a common dislike of many people who play sports. Yeah, definitely. What about you? So, I think what I like the most about my sport is kind of teamwork, as you said, but not with another human, with a horse. And it's something very interesting because horses have so many different personalities and they can be so entertaining. And also dislike is pretty similar because the equipment is so expensive for horse riding. It's insane. I have never teamed up with a horse that's actually really cool. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Hogfish? Well, what I really like about scuba diving is when you go underwater, you just lose all your problems. All your problems stay at the surface and you go under. And no matter how you were feeling, you typically get in somewhat colder water, even if you're diving in a warm area. And whatever you were feeling, if you were feeling slightly seasick from the boat ride or something like that, it just disappears. The whole weightlessness underwater is, is delightful and it, you're submerged in a movie almost it's like the environment if it's really beautiful 
it is as if you're wearing uh, reality goggles, right? Virtual reality goggles. In fact, I've often seen things underwater that were somewhat dangerous and it just didn't seem to really hit home that it was not a camera that I was wearing, but it was actual just underwater goggles, right? Um, so yeah, scuba diving has this, this great way of leaving behind all your troubles. What is not so much fun about it is when you're gearing up, it's a lot of heavy gear. You have to wear these weights to stay underwater, especially if you're wearing a wetsuit. Your tank is heavy. And then of course the boat ride might get you seasick, right? And uh, sometimes, especially after a dive, you might be more tired and more prone to seasickness. So yeah, so those are some of the disadvantages. I've encountered some, um, uh, what do you call these things? Jellyfish that could give you some stingers in the water, right? Those are some of the disadvantages. But over overall, wa scuba diving is just great experience. Well, that sounds really fun. I want to try it someday, but I don't know if I'll ever get the opportunity, so... Well, join me on the school trip in the next um, project week. We'll go scuba diving again, so... Virus permitting. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> of course. So I think we already covered this a little bit before, but do you guys do your sport competitively or casually? And if you're competitive, is the experience very different from casual sports? Well, I do my sport casually. I focus on other things, so I mostly do rec softball, but I know some of the players who do competitive softball. One of them is the same age as me, and she's so good. She's seriously insane. So. Unless I like really cranked down and that was the only thing I did, I wouldn't really be able to get into competitive softball because it is a really popular sport. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it is pretty different, I think. Yeah, Polly? Yeah, I think. So I currently do horse riding mostly casually. I have competed in some competitions and I'm looking to go competitive soon. And there's like a big difference because usually when you're doing it casually, they'll have you ride a bunch of different types of horses so that you get experience because each horse you have to ride slightly differently because some might be more lazy than others, some might need more encouragement or more control than other horses do. So you, it's important that you can ride a variety of horses, but when you're training for a competition, you're gonna wanna stick to one horse so that you can do well in the competition instead of constantly changing your horse because that's the horse you're gonna use for your competition, so you have to train with that horse. Uh, so it definitely it's important to form a very strong bond with the horse before you compete, right? Definitely, yeah. Awesome. What about you, Jibby? Well, I play squash uh, very competitively, as I said, and I will say it's definitely different than playing it casually. So when you're playing it competitively, you're playing in these big tournaments with um, tons of players, and most of the times they come from like all across the United States, right? And, you know, so there's much more training required. It's a lot of fitness, a lot of training, strength training, speed training, reflex training that you have to do before if you want to do well in the tournaments. Yeah, I think it's similar with a lot of sports there. In softball, you got to like really build up arm strength, leg strength, instincts, all of that. Yeah. Yeah, there isn't such a thing as competitive scuba diving, but I'll compare this casual scuba diving with scuba diving for work. When you scuba dive for work, you have a goal underwater and you kind of forget about everything else. And um, you do a lot of searching and looking for things, specific things, which is interesting, makes the dive more interesting. 
Whereas when you're just scuba diving for fun, you're just floating around and hoping to see some interesting fish or something. So there was a difference doing it for work versus doing it for recreational goals. Hmm, I see. So, um, since there's lots of sports and not all of them are, say, as well known or popular as the others, there are clearly issues or like common misconceptions with every sport that um, people play. So what are these, like, what are some of these issues that you guys have experienced? Well, personally for me, one of my, this, I haven't heard in person. I'm lucky enough not to have heard it in person, but I have heard of it. And I know some people who have like walked the line, like away from saying this, is that softball is like a spinoff of baseball or like the girl version, the easy version of baseball, which it isn't. It isn't, first of all, it's not a spin-off. It's very similar, of course, like all the bases and everything, but the pitching style is completely different and the ball is different too. And that's why it's it's not worse than baseball in any way. Like the ball is bigger. You have to throw harder to get the ball where it needs to go. It actually is harder in that sense. Of course, it's easier to hit the ball, but that's different completely. So I think softball and baseball are both like fair sports. They're both separate sports they're in their own leagues and softball isn't any worse than baseball i see actually i didn't know this before maybe because of like the general society view of softball that i've been such subjected to but this is a very interesting new perspective so um what about you polly i think like the most common misconception that i've seen of horse riding on the internet and i've heard in person is like the idea that you're not doing any work and that's the horse doing everything and you just kind of sit there which i think is why some people i've heard people who don't consider that it's a sport because they think it's really easy to do or stuff like that because there are a lot of things like you can go on a trail ride on a horse where you're just walking around and of course that's really easy because the horses are just following each other naturally so you basically don't have to do anything but when it comes to actually having it as a sport there's a lot more things involved than just sitting there because if you just sat there and you went to a competition your horse would not do anything or they would might just if they're a bad horse they'd probably just throw you off and if you're just sitting there you're not going to stay on so i think that's like a huge misconception and it's something i will argue against for the rest of my life yeah i feel like the people who made that misconception happen are those who like either think the horse is like an object of some sort mm -hmm. or maybe that like they don't know that you have to have teamwork with the horse yeah so uh, what about you dr hogfish well um scuba diving itself may not have many misconceptions i don't think but when you are doing it for work like i was for a while we would be collecting on a reef and we would have our knives out we would be scraping something off the rock and that often was misconstrued as as damaging and bad and i can remember a few times getting into an argument underwater with another scuba diver not from our team who had no idea what we were doing and thought we were wrecking things and you know sometimes we collected close to reserves like areas that were set aside for uh, you know, don't touch, no fishing, no collecting. And people didn't weren't aware necessarily of the line that was there, the invisible line underwater. So they, they would actually uh, get mad with us underwater. And that's not pleasant. That's, that gets very scary. 
Um, so that was one common misconception. And then when you come out of the water and you explain to them what you're doing, you're collecting uh, organisms to try to help, you know, medicine, right? To try to find new medications for cancer treatment or antibiotics. Then people would warm up to the idea that, yeah, you have to occasionally take some organisms from the reef in order to find new things. And that doesn't necessarily mean you're destroying things. You're just doing it uh, very targeted, right? So that was a, a misconception that I have in, uh, encountered in the past. Yeah, so I think I've heard in the past of people actually purposefully um, harming the reefs or something, like by carving their names on it or something. So um, I guess that's where the misconception came from. Yeah. So um, what about you, Jibby? So as squash isn't really a well-known sport, when I do try to explain it to people, there are like instantly just tons of misconceptions, right? Uh, people assume, like the most uh, common assumption is that it's a really easy sport, right? Because all you're doing is bouncing a wall, uh, bouncing a ball against a wall with your racket, right? But in reality, it's a really, really physically demanding sport that requires like reflex training and everything. It's really difficult, right? And because it isn't an Olympic sport either, people say that it's not even a real sport, it's pretty useless, which I don't agree with at all. Yeah, I see. I feel like a lot of not very well-known sports have this misconception where people think that it's not really a valid sport just because not many people play it. Right, yeah. So, um, for each sport, you may need to wear a special uniform or some other kind of equipment. So, do you have any issues with sports clothing? Like, is there anything specific you have to wear for your sport that bothers you? Well, for me, it's mostly just the gear. The gear is the pain, but I do understand why you need it. And it has protected me from getting hurt occasionally. Like the softball pants and the face masks and all of that, it might seem like it's useless, but it does do a lot. Issue is it's expensive, which is honestly the main problem I have with it and maybe a little uncomfortable. But I think in terms of sports clothing for softball there's nothing really that bothers me too much um what about you polly i think horse riding like you have to wear a lot of things basically the only thing you can choose yourself is your shirt especially since i switched to show jumping i have to wear these specific type of pants that are easier to stick to the saddle so i won't move around as much and then i also have to wear tall boots which kind of come up all the way to your knee, and they have a huge heel, which helps you a lot with the riding too, like keeping your foot in position. And then you also have to wear a helmet. This is something I've seen people debate about, like if a helmet is necessary. And in my opinion, I think usually it's like a beginner rider, or if you're doing something like show jumping and you're not riding casually, then you should definitely wear a helmet for safety reasons. Because I do think it helps you a lot since I've fallen off a couple times and my helmet definitely helped me protect my head. And then there's also gloves that you have to wear, which can be kind of hard to move around in and hard to grab things with, so sometimes it can make riding hard. But if you don't wear gloves, especially when you're doing show jumping, your hands will get like a lot of blisters and will get scrapped or scraped a lot. And it's painful. So, yeah. Yeah, in terms of equipment that like are for safety, they're definitely non-negotiable because 
before anything, you do need to stay safe while playing your sport, right?、Mm-hmm. So、um, I feel like Dr. Hogfish already covered this with scuba diving, but、um, would you mind being more specific? Sure. So in California, when you dive, you encounter cold water, so you have to wear an eight millimeter wetsuit. Eight、uh, millimeters of neoprene makes you feel like you're wearing a, a spacesuit, right? It's it's very difficult to、uh, keep your arms by your side. You're you're just awkward, right? The equipment is always there, but、uh, such a thick suit makes you feel uncomfortable. Sometimes you have to put it all the way over your head, so only a small part of your face is visible, and it's just just awkward. And you have to wear a lot more weight. Uh, lead blocks that you put around your waist. So I'm、uh, more of a warm water diver, where you can just wear、um, a thinner wetsuit, maybe four millimeters, and not so much weight around your belt. Sometimes it's even warm enough to not wear a wetsuit, but that's rare.、Um, so yeah, I, I prefer the warm water so that I can have to wear less awkward suits and less weight. And、um, what about you, Jibby? Right. So to play squash, you don't really need any particular、um, type of clothing, but、uh, there are two things that you do need. So you do need to wear eye protection, which I don't really mind, honestly. It's just like wearing glasses, which I already do, and it's really just so that、um, the ball doesn't hit your eye, right? Which has happened to me once before, and the eye protection really did save my eyes there. And the other thing that you need is a mask, but that's only given the current situation with the virus. And、um, again, that just makes it harder to catch your breath, harder to run a bit faster. But I think once you play with it for a while, you get used to it, so it's not really too bad. Actually, on the note of clothing, I have a little bit more to say on like another sport. So my sister did gymnastics a lot before the、um, pandemic, and I also did gymnastics a decent amount. Well, not a decent amount. I did it like once a week just for fun because I thought it was, you know, it was like a break. But yeah, the clothing is really strange. Why you have to wear those leotards? I guess they're like skin tight. But I do know that like a bunch of Olympic teams and other teams are protesting like the dressing standards because it's really strange and you really don't need to show that much skin. So I'm just happy that's happening and that some changes might be made because there's a lot of different suits that you can wear that still allow for mobility. Yeah, just wanted to mention that. Yeah, that's a very important thing to mention. Because、um, the Olympics like just happened over the summer, so it's definitely a relevant topic to discuss. So、um, I'm sure all of you have heard of dangerous sports. So what are your thoughts on dangerous sports, like ones that are potentially life-threatening? And、um, I know most of you probably would not like to try them personally, but do you think it's worth the risk in general? I don't know if there's anything I classify as a completely dangerous sport, like maybe like ATV racing or something of that sort. But even then, I think if appropriate precautions are taken, and if someone is interested, then they could totally try that. I mean, in all honesty, softball itself is pretty dangerous. I think this season there were three concussion scares, and that's only on my team, where people like got full on hit in the back of the head by a ball. And we were all like scared that they got a concussion or something of that sort. So it was like, softball is not the most safe sport either, because you, you're gonna get like beaten up and bruised and whatnot. And there's a lot of risks involved. But I did think that 
appropriate precautions like a face mask and a helmet and all of that and in other sports too like atv race if all of that is taken it's fine i'd probably try a dangerous sport if i was interested yeah i see so basically um you think that like anyone who does it they should already know what they're getting into so they would take the appropriate precautions which makes sense yeah of course like if you're going into a sport make sure that you know what the risks are involved with that sport yeah i think for horse riding i would consider it like a pretty dangerous sport because there's so many things that can go wrong like i've seen so many people get thrown off and get thrown into a wall or into the side of the arena i've heard a story about this girl who's competing and her horse fell backwards on her and her saddle ripped her face off and she had to go through surgery to get it reattached So there's definitely a lot of risks that come with horse riding, especially if you fall off, you can get trampled by your horse if you're going at a faster pace, you can get kicked by them. There's just like a lot of things. And I think especially for dangerous sports because I know some parents like to push their children into getting into a sport, like push them into doing like soccer or basketball. But I think especially for the more dangerous sports, it's really important that the children themselves are the ones who want to do it. because otherwise they're kind of putting themselves at a risk for something that they don't really want to do which i don't think is worth it but if you really do enjoy a sport even if it's dangerous i think you're still going to want to do it yeah i feel the same way like it's definitely not worth it if um you're putting your own life in danger or like your own safety in danger for someone else's preferences or like their their ideas not your own Uh, what about you, Dr. Hogfish? Well, I was trained uh, as a scuba diver in the Netherlands and um, we dove only in places like the North Sea and lakes in, in the Netherlands. So uh, I, I started doing this in university. And at the beginning of the year in August, you know, summer is coming to an end and you don't know anything yet. So you don't get to dive until I'd say March or April the next year. So all of that time you spent training in a pool twice a week. and uh, you become a first of all you become a good swimmer uh, during those trainings one of the exercises that we had was um, a, a good diver or a good snorkel person someone with good lungs right would be the the leader of the group and he would try to cross the pool underwater as slow as he could and no one was allowed to pass him and everyone had to swim underwater across the pool behind this person so basically training yourself to get a good long breath underwater So you become a better swimmer, but you also spend a lot of time uh, studying theory. Uh, the chemistry of gases, right, comes to mind uh, because you're breathing a gas mixture, right, air, and your lungs are like a balloon that you're taking underwater. So they're coming under pressure, and you need to know how to deal with that, right, underwater, uh, going up and down underwater. So you learn everything about the the tables that you need to learn how to read as to how long you can stay underwater and till what depth. And uh, so you spend a fair amount of training uh, before you actually do your first dive. And yeah, so you learn how to deal with the risks and there are of course risks in scuba diving and people that become comfortable at scuba diving tend to take it easier with the risk assessment and that doesn't always end well. I have in my career heard of two people that I knew that on separate occasions um, didn't come back from their dive and were later found underwater dead 
and they're still trying to figure out what happened to them, right? One was found completely full tank underwater, and why didn't she come back up? And turns out that she was diving alone because she couldn't find a partner and she needed to do something for her research, and she just went. And another guy who was always a risk taker, he, we just knew that at some point he was going to do something stupid and he would end up making the wrong decision. And he did, and he died too. And so, yeah, over the, over the years, you know, scuba diving has its risks. You need to learn how to deal with that and you need to not become too comfortable to the point that you start taking uh, bad risks, you know. So the yeah. two people that I know that died, a handful or so got the bends, right? They come up too fast and they get bubbles of nitrogen in their blood and that hurts their joints. And then they have to go into a decompression tank and it's a big mess, right? Ambulances and helicopters and gets very expensive too, you know? So you learn to deal with it. You learn to deal with the risk. Yeah, I think that with dangerous sports, if you mess up once, there's a risk of dying. So you can't really, you don't really have any room for error here, which is, I think, the main issue. Right. Yeah, it's always good to take precautions, especially if like there is a lot of risk associated with your sport. And even if there aren't that many, because every sport is inherently like to some degree dangerous. So uh, what do you think, Jibby? So when it comes to dangerous sports in general, like everyone else has said, I think people go into the sport knowing the risks, right? They don't walk into it not knowing what's going to happen, right? And so once they accept the risks, I think you know, it's fine. Like, I don't have any problem with dangerous sports, right? And specifically talking with my sport, you know, um, I wouldn't say it's as dangerous as uh, horseback riding or scuba diving, but, you know, you can get injured and squash injuries are not that bad. So I don't think too much about um, dangerous sports uh, in that sense, you know? I would like to try one myself, myself though. I like the rush of adrenaline. adrenaline. Oh, I see. That's interesting um, because like I don't know many people who would personally like to try dangerous sport and I don't think I would either, but it's nice to hear a different perspective. Uh, you know, honestly, I would like to try dangerous sport and I actually have recently. I think over the summer, I went ATV driving with my family. Like this includes like not even a teenager like my sister is not even a teenager yet and we were on these huge giant atvs there was a shock where people were going at like 25 miles per hour like experienced atv drivers who maybe i we didn't know though we didn't know that they'd be able to dodge us and it was like super nerve-wracking but really really fun at the same time it was really great I mean, I suggest trying it, but I did think that their setup was a little bit confusing because it was super dangerous. Like one crash and it was all over. Because we had helmets on, but we almost had no protection other than that. It was insane. In a way, that is the appeal of a dangerous sport, right? Yeah, and for sure. The adrenaline rush. <laughs> it was great. So as I said before, every sport is um, dangerous in a way like it has its own risk but in that way um there's also many interesting experiences so do you guys have any stories from playing your sport that are particularly memorable particularly memorable mostly just me catching pop flies that were basically impossible to catch running into people because i forgot to yell out when catching that pop fly 
I, for most dangerous experience, I accidentally fell over on the、um, baseline where people would, were like running, right? And we're wearing cleats, so that's not fun. That hurt a lot, but I got it was fine. Like I recovered. I don't honestly think softball is like high up on the most dangerous list, and I've never been at risk for a concussion, so that's great. I've had balls whack into my leg. But yeah, honestly, just mostly just for me, memorable catching caught flies, dangerous, accidentally running into the line of cleats or getting balls thrown at me and almost hitting me. Yeah, I think maybe my most memorable moments are from last summer. So last summer, I was a counselor at training at a summer camp at the ranch that I go riding at. And while you're a counselor at training, they give you kind of like your own horse to ride and look after and care for. And so the horse that I had this summer was named Skip, and Skip is—I would like describe him as a very special horse. He's kind of insane. Like the second day <laughs> I had him, so we put out like some of the horses into the pasture, and we have four CAT horses for the counselors in training. And usually, the counselors in training will get the harder horses because they don't want to give those to the campers, and so. Our four horses were in a pasture with two camper horses, and my horse Skip decided it would be a good idea to get all of the horses into a stampede. And he was a ringleader, and he led the stampede running around the hill for 40 minutes straight. And we could not catch him because <laughs> he also has like an infinite amount of energy, which continues to baffle me so much because he was. Galloping around the hills for 40 minutes straight without any pauses, and the only reason we were able to catch them is because the other four horses that he was galloping with got tired, and we were able to catch them. He had no one else to gallop with, so he just kind of gave up. So the equivalent of a teenage gang of horses. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, it was very interesting. It's very beautiful to see horses gallop together. That was super memorable. But it was also really dangerous because at many times he would come galloping straight towards us. We'd have to like jump out of the way so as to not get run over, and we were still trying to catch them too. So it wasn't like we could just leave them there to run it out or anything. So that was like the most memorable and probably also the most dangerous situation I've been in. Well, that sounds really chaotic, but also really like fun in a way. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Doctor、so, Hawkfish, didn't didn't you save someone from a shark attack? I remember you telling us about that. Yeah. You want to share? Oh sure.、Um, so I did a, a professional, if you will, scuba diving for a couple of years during my graduate career, and we would、uh, twice a year we would go on a research vessel and hang out in various places. Usually the tropical places, right? The reefs have the highest diversity there, so that's where you have to go. And one year we were in the Bahamas and、uh, on a 200-foot steel hull, and、um, the best part of the day was always when the work was done, the diving was done, and we would go snorkel. The goal was to catch some fish with a little handheld harpoon, and、uh, which is basically just a stick with three pointy ends and a big rubber band at the end, and you twist it around your wrist and you tighten it and then point at the fish and let go, right? 
So at about 6 p.m. in the evening is when we would go out on our fairly small inflatables and we would have teams. And at some point during these years, I became a team leader and I had my boat with a bunch of people on it. And we'd go out and snorkel. And that's the, around the time when the sun is starting to go down and the shadows are getting longer and you're just wondering what is swimming, you know, underwater. And we know there are, are reef, uh, reef sharks at, at the Bahamas. And so the, there was a rule that if you hit a fish and you missed it, uh, the fish got away, then of course it was bleeding, you'd have to move. You'd have to get out of there in about 10 or 15 minutes because then the sharks would move in. And that was, you know, scary. So we broke the rule, or one of us in the team broke the rule. He missed his fish, but the fish had swam away with his spear. And so he went after it. And he was at least 10, 15 minutes trying to find his spear and his fish knowing that he was breaking the rules and we were all going back to our, our boat we were waiting for him to come out of the water and we saw him a little ways away and he keep he kept coming up with his butt out of the water and we were in fairly shallow water maybe six to eight feet of, of, of depth and i was wondering what is he doing why does he keep putting his butt out of the water and and then finally his head comes out of the water and i hear my name and he was yelling for us to come and get him and so I lifted the anchor and I started the engine and I went right by him and I yanked him by his weight belt out of the water and into the boat. And I asked him, what were you doing? What, what, why were you coming out of the water in that strange way? And he said that he had found his spear in a fish and he had gotten the spear out and he was defending himself from two six foot sharks that had moved in and were trying to figure out where all that delightful blood in the water was coming from. And they uh, were starting to attack him from two two sides and he was poking his spear forward to try to keep them off him and that's when we caught him out of the water so yeah the lesson was uh, was learned you know you have to uh, let your spear and your fish go and you move out or the sharks will move in so i guess i saved him from shark attack well that's wow. definitely a very interesting experience especially because like it was actually very dangerous right with the sharks yes Yes, they were about as long as we were. We were all about six feet tall and the sharks were about the same. And they measure themselves to you, right? They swim by you and they look at you like, how long are you? I'm about that same length. And if they feel like they have the overhand, they uh, they, they move in. So, yeah. That's, that's really scary, but also inspiring that you were able to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How close were you to danger? Like, I'm wondering, did you have a chance of being pulled in by the sharks? Me, myself? I didn't really want to take that risk. I um, I was not a very good spearfisher. I, I, you need a certain amount of arm strength for it. And um, one day I had, uh, I had hit a fish only in the head. It was very sad, but the fish just basically fell unconscious under the water from my spear and it never pierced the skin. And I was able to just take the fish out of the water and lift it into the boat. It was the strangest thing. And I was so full of adrenaline from that experience that I just decided I'm in the boat, I'm done for today, I have my fish, uh, this is good, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> so yeah, I, uh, I guess I'm not too much of a thrill seeker, I thought that was more than enough. Yeah. <laughs> I see. Chevy, what about you? Most memorable um, or dangerous experience? Well, uh, I've had a couple of, uh, you know, dangerous experiences with squash, like, one time I played a an adult in squash and he had no idea 
how to properly play squash and no idea what the rules were, right? And so there's this rule where, you know, if your opponent is interfering with your shot, right, you don't swing or anything for safety's sake and you raise your hand, you say, hey, um, you know, he was in the way of my shot and you let the refs make the decision, right? And so I was interfering with his shot, right? And he didn't make any call or anything and he swung the racket and it slashed my arm and my arm was bleeding like that after. And this was only like 15 minutes after he slammed the ball into my chest and it left like this really big red mark there. Uh, that was pretty dangerous. And then there was a time um, someone hit the ball into my eye, which is, you know, why we wear eye protection. You know, it's, it's really important in squash. And uh, aside from that, it's just like, you know, um, bloody knees and stuff from diving for balls, that kind of stuff. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah, that brings us to our previous discussion about how like proper equipment is definitely very necessary to ensure safety Absolutely, and, and also that like if they give you rules they have to be followed because generally the rules are for your own safety and also other people's safety so um i would assume all of you guys uh would consider recommending your sport to someone particularly if you really like it so what kind of people would you recommend your sport to and why? Well, for my sport, you got to work in a team. I mean, that applies to a lot of other sports, but then again, some of them are more individual. For mine, you like have to work as a team. You maybe have one or two shining moments, like maybe when you make it out or catch a pop fly or throw it just the right distance. And the rest of it is all teamwork. So it's not like when you win, it's your team that's won. It's not you specifically has done anything. And that was kind of hard for me to learn too. But if you're a natural at that, the sport is pretty good for you. It's also like on a more physical note, it's good for people who have a lot of arm strength because you need to throw the ball. And of course you have to learn the technique too, but arm strength is important. And same with hitting the ball, of course. You can't be scared of the ball naturally. If you're scared of the ball, you're gonna have to train that instinct away, which I think a lot of pe younger people who are playing softball learn to do. You also have to be a decently fast runner, of course, and not afraid to get yourself dirty, not afraid to like listen to instructions from your coaches. So basically, yeah, simple, like normal, mostly all sports stuff, but some specific things for softball. Yeah, I see. So um, what about Polly? I would assume that there's a lot of um, particular things that you need to ride horses yeah i would say mostly you want to look for people who are not very aggressive or people who have a lot of patience and can work well with other animals specifically not just humans because horse riding is a sport that you still have commitments outside of when you're riding your horse like you have to care for your horse you'll have to train your horse you'll have to basically treat your horse well like how you would treat your pet, kind of. So horse riding doesn't just stop at riding your horse, it goes way beyond that, which is why you need people who are patient, especially because some horses are can be hard to train and can might take them a while to understand things. And especially since horses aren't naturally born with the ability to be ridden, they have to be trained to be ridden. So it requires someone with a lot of patience you also don't want someone who's super aggressive because, again, a horse is a living animal and you don't want them to be abused. Like, I've heard so many stories of riders abusing their horse. 
Like there was this one woman who was trying to compete with her horse and hadn't fed him a lot. So his, he was very bony. Like you could see his bones sticking out and he barely had any fat or anything on him really. And she was around a 300 pound woman. And for such a malnourished horse to carry that kind of weight is very, very unhealthy and was very harmful for him. And he had a lot of injuries and everything from that. But luckily um, she was caught and she's not allowed to own a horse for a long time. And so that's good because you need people who are thoughtful and will actually care for their animal properly because horse riding can be dangerous for both the rider and especially the horse because the horse can slip, they can fall, they can accidentally injure themselves. So it's very important that the rider is responsible and is very careful of their horse. Yeah, that reminds me of this thing I saw on TV a while back about someone who rode horses competitively. Mm -hmm. And um, she was going to compete at a pretty major competition. But then when she got there, the horse didn't want to go for some reason. Like maybe it's the weather or something else. He just didn't want to go and she couldn't convince the horse. So in the end, they couldn't compete. So it's very important to like take the horse, um, the horse's emotions and stuff into account, I guess. Yeah, definitely. So um, what about you, Dr. Hogfish? Who would I recommend to sport too? You know what? I think pretty much anyone can go and enjoy scuba diving. In fact, I learned, I didn't start until I was 19, but you're allowed to go as young as 10 years old. And uh, I think you can even get certified as young as 12. And I think you don't have to be a very good swimmer either, despite of what you would think, right? You need to be a good swimmer to scuba dive. You train for the unforeseen events, and it would be better, of course, to be a good swimmer. But even uh, not so strong a swimmer could enjoy floating around underwater, pedaling their legs up and down a few times and just sort of moving around and just watching the beauty. It's almost like going to a museum sometimes where you watch a beautiful painting. The colors and, and all the different organisms on, on the rock are just like paintings, beautiful paintings that anyone could enjoy. Um, and like I said, the weightlessness and the whole underwater experience, anyone can enjoy. And uh, once you have enjoyed it and you find in there something that you find special, you want to take it further, that's great, it's up to you. But uh, I, I can tell pretty much anyone to go and try it. It's worth the, the trouble. Yeah, so is that like why you decided to start the end of school trips to go scuba diving? That was actually our head of school's suggestion, believe it or not. Um, like I said, I never thought I could take kids as young as 12 on a trip. But uh, once once the head of school said to me, yeah, yeah, take them scuba diving at the end of the year, project week, and my mouth fell open because that is, you know, a risk to undertake as a school, taking a group of students. And uh, of course, there are risks to the sport and the, the travel and everything. So I, I was delighted that he said that I should do that. And I said, sure, I'll look into it. And it turns out as young as 12, we're allowed to go. And we got it set up that they can get their certification in a week, float around on a, on a floating hotel slash dive boat for a week. And uh, yeah, we did. So we're going again. Yeah, can highly recommend it. Yeah, that sounds great. It's, it's really bad that the virus is here 
otherwise, I would have liked to experience it also. Yeah. Um, what I think we all would have. Oh, um, what about you, Jimmy? Right, um, so I would recommend it to, you know what, anyone who would like, think it's easy, you know, just, just to prove a point, you know, like, I want them to find out how hard it actually is, you know, so they could stop making like unfair assumptions about squash, right? Not just squash, like any sport, really. Uh, people who have like really good reflexes or like strong um, arm strength or they're really fast runners would naturally be a bit better at squash but um it is pretty hard to pick up like i've seen like really really fit strong adults try to pick it up and they like gave up after a month or two like they could not pick up squash it's pretty hard um and to those who think it's easy like really just i would recommend you at least watch a youtube video or something on squash so you can see what it's like yeah thanks for sharing yeah, so um, I'm afraid that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to all our guest speakers of the day. Um, Thanks for me. Thank you. Thanks a lot. This was great. It was a great conversation. And we'll see you soon in our next podcast episode. Goodbye. See you. Bye. Safe diving, everyone. We'd like to thank our guest speakers, Dr. Hogfish and Jivy, as well as Polly for editing and recording, Cheryl for performing the music that you are hearing right now, and Myla for script writing and general moral support. We would also like to thank our English teacher for inspiring us to create this podcast. Last but not least, we'd like to thank our dedicated listeners for supporting us. See you in the next episode.